Doug. Hello, Karen. Here we do are. You, do you believe we're halfway through this, whatever you want to call it, year? No, I really can't. I really can't. It's kind of, um, I don't know, it's weird. It's like, it's like weird. It's like a weird, it's like weird times now because we're still kind of in the pandemic, but we're also kind of not in the pandemic anymore. Yeah, it's all a state of mind. If you want to believe we're done, then good for you. If you want to completely be cowered by it, go for it. You still have plenty of reason to do the same thing. Well, I mean, no, it's like, it, well, it's sort of like, okay, so a pandemic hits and everyone's like, oh my God, right? And there's all this like weird, weird, weird. And everybody's like running around and we don't know what to do. We don't know what to do. And then like after a couple of months, people kind of settled into it. And I felt like we kind of got into a groove, right? Like there was this sort of groove of like things that were happening and, and stuff like that. And now that we're coming out of it, we're back in that weird, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. <laughs> we're all looking for uh, guidance, an example of what to do and how to be. We're all looking for cues from like, our friends, our neighbors, strangers on the street, whatever, colleagues, to tell us, like, okay, this is what you can do, this is what you should be doing by now, and everyone is doing something different. And everyone has, like, a different reason for wanting to or not wanting to do X, Y, Z. So, like, everyone, it's like, we're, we're all running around the same track, but everyone is at, like, different laps and different markers, and it's like, don't look back, because you don't know where they are, don't look forward because you don't know what they're pulling. Just just focus on continuing to do your thing and keep going around the sun. Like there's no there's no wrong, there's no right, except for what feels okay to you. And we've made strides health wise here, but like we're not out of anything. And right. people want to tell you that we are. And you can feel confident about certain things. If you want to, it just depends well, how guess, much you want to. I guess because to a certain degree, with like my job, I'm supposed to like be a prognosticator, right? Like I'm like like I'm supposed to like know which way the wind is blowing um, for for media, and I'm just like I'm still in this place where I'm like couldn't tell you, you know, because I've got some press that are like I'm not watching digital ever again. Um, I'm done with that. If it's not live, I don't want to see it. I've got other press saying I am not ready to go back into a theater right now with a bunch of other people. If it's if it's not if it's you know if it's not digital, I'm not going to go see it. You know, so so it's like this weird sort of like um, and I'm just like I don't know what to tell you guys about the next pro. Yeah, I have no idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm just like I don't know. No idea what's going to happen. No clue. Absolutely no idea. No, but that's your problem. I mean, what you're saddled with is trying to predict people, not yes. things, not events, not state of world or that health or anything. True. You're trying to you're trying to predict people's behavior. Yeah, and it is completely unpredictable. And so. they're all lunatics, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So speaking of lunatics, how's that for a segue? <laughs> <laughs> I think that's the best one, the most optimal segue we've done. <laughs> We're at season six, episode 12, 12. correct? A 12, yeah. a bump in the night. Yeah, which picks us up from where we were last week, where uh, strung out Lexi seemed to have hit something that bled on the car. Good Lord, Lexi with, uh, okay, so Lexi, 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 Lexi. This is a masterclass in overacting. 
it's it's bad. I mean, it's really, and I like her. What's this actress's name again? Jamie Lunar. Yeah, I don't mind her at all. I kind of like her. She's got kind of a throaty voice, and I, I like, I, I, I liked her, and then, and then this happened, and now I'm like, oh my god, stop! It's like yeah. she's, she's like gunning for that Emmy. Yeah, there, I mean, this would be on another show, the Emmy role, the Emmy yeah. scene. Yeah. Yeah, but this ain't it. No, and you know, I'm cool as cool as I am with anything in season six with them like kind of shunting Peter aside, making him stable and in a seemingly good relationship. They don't have to give him, they don't have to throw him more storyline bones. They can just let him exist on the side and he and Lexi can be like happy and getting to know each other. And that the Lexi problems can be, well, there's still some history with Coop or whatever. Right. I don't need these histrionics. No, they don't. And also, can we talk about Peter for a second? Let's. Once again, you know, I mean, when Peter joined Melrose and, you know, first came on the scene, he was a bad, bad man. He was a bad, bad man. And then he came back reformed and we forgave, right? Um, and we were, I mean, we were sort of supposed to forget about it. I was going to say, it wasn't just forgive, it was forgive and forget. Yeah, it was like totally forgiven. We forgot. And then he like became a bad, bad man again with, um, you know, with Taylor. With Taylor. And, you know, as, as loathsome as Taylor is, there was definitely like some abuse and some gaslighting going on there with him. And, um, and now we're sort of like back to good Peter again. Yeah, he's getting to play hero essentially. Yes, and I'm and I'm I'm like I'm so tired of it. I don't know how to feel about him anymore. Well, just I think it was just last week we commented on our podcast about how, like, he talked about his past relationships or past loves and never even mentioned Beth, the first wife. Right. <laughs> we have just completely forgotten about anything he did. Any storyline he had in season five, like the fake identity, the abuse of Taylor, all of that stuff. All that they really wanted us to remember is that, like, he was married to Amanda and lost her. And that's kind of all that they want us to take away. And I'm like, but I remember more there. Um, (laughs) uh, But Showy Show does not want us to remember that. I mean, are, are the writers just assuming that, like, people aren't sticking with this and they're just like, oh, we'll have a new crop of viewers. No one will ever find out. I mean, I think people didn't watch with the same kind of literary analysis, fine tooth comb. And they're just like, the show is the show. I'm putting it on and I'm watching it. I I don't think people called back to as much in terms of continuity. I think that's still a somewhat recent thing. And I think the other part is the writers just never cared. Right. I mean, they're, I think they're like, well, even if the audience does remember, we don't care. We dare yeah. them to stop watching. Yeah. Oh, and boy, will they. Boy, but, will they. But we're still in. We're still in. We're, we're in this. We're in this for the long haul. So where should we, are we, should we start where we, where we left off? And we've got, uh, because it does, we do cold open with Lexi. Yeah, yeah, we, I, we might as well pick up. 
And I guess this is right when they get home. Now, Lexi still doesn't know she hit somebody. Right. She won't figure it out for a while within right. this episode. And Peter doesn't even know if they hit somebody. He's just kind of not sure. He suspects. He suspects, but, like, I think he thinks they had to have hit someone because there is people blood on right, blood the headlight. On the, so, on the headlight. so I think he's pretty sure that, like, they did. Right. I'm, like, still not really sure about all of the optics, how neither could have really seen someone either before or after, but fine, I'll go, I'll, I'll give them that much room. Right, right. Yeah, like, I mean, how is, how is there not somebody laying in the middle of the street? Right. Like, but, this person could, well, we'll get to it in a second. Yeah, well, okay. Let's, let's dive. Okay, let's go. So, at this point, they're back in the house. Lexi is now completely... Penitent. She's like, I'm never going to touch another pill again. I'm giving it all up. I'm so sorry for everything. Blah, 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 blah. And Peter's like, okay, go to bed. I'll be right back. And he goes back out. And he drives <laughs> back to that little block where he sees a man limping with a bloody leg. And it's like, okay, so maybe two minutes have gone by, maybe five minutes, maybe 15 minutes have gone by since, like, the actual collision. Um and, and Peter's return to the scene, if this person really couldn't get far away in that amount of time, how did you not see him right by the car when you stopped the car and both of you got out of the car? But then we wouldn't have a story. Right, right, right. So Peter's like uh, feigning ignorance and fishing to figure out what this guy knows. And he calls 911, he tells them that he found a man on the street who was hit by a hit and run, he has a possible fracture, um, and the guy doesn't really remember much. I think at this point he's able to say there was a female driver with long hair. Right. Which is already, like, pretty good, given, like, well, like, where were you? Looking right into the driver's side window? Whatever. Um, so... That's our cold open. Peter's doing the right thing because he's at least getting help for the guy. Right. Um, and then he washes Lexi's car clean. She says that she has thrown all of her pills down the sink. She's giving up everything, turning over a new leaf. Um, and he's encouraging and she's like, wow, what's a girl got to do to make you get up and walk away? And it's like, really, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're not sure. <laughs> yeah. But someday you might want to walk away. Um, and, and so Peter is now taking care of the victim, whose name is Bob. Um, I don't know if we know more than that, but his name is Bob. And is he homeless? It's really hard to tell if he's homeless or if he's just... Not, like transient in some yeah, way yeah yeah or if he's just like not wealthy or you know like sort of like lower class i mean okay so peter lives by the marina he lives on the water you, i assume it's got to be a place like newport beach or you know santa Mo like probably not even santa monica because it looks more like a newport beach area yeah yeah I mean, it does you know behind the you know as opposed to ocean it has like all these canals and stuff behind the house um, which is a very Tony area. And not only is it very fancy, it's not like a de like downtown LA, you know, Skid Row can sort of like 
like kind of encroach it is like that far away from everything you know where like you have to like so i don't know what kind of like transient or homeless problem they have in in newport beach that this guy would be like walking the streets of this very ritzy neighborhood and not be i don't know stopped or you know yeah. or like you know it just didn't seem like the type of neighborhood where you know somebody who is homeless or transient would just be wandering about at night yeah i mean it looks like there's a park or a playground right where this happened because i think they used that plot of land in the past too like like when Michael and Taylor were making Peter think he had the rage epilepsy and blacked out and woke up. Oh, like, and the, and that, and I the, feel like that's the same <laughs> exterior shot. Probably. But yeah, I mean, like this guy seems to have no connections around. Doesn't seem like he has a job. Doesn't seem like he has a family, a partner, anything nearby. But all we really know about him is that he's uninsured, which Peter right. is having their practice take care of so that Peter can keep an eye and more importantly, I suppose, an ear on what Bob has to say. Um, so Peter comes into the hospital room where he finds these a couple detectives are already questioning Bob. Um, and he lies, says he didn't see the accident, and that he's pulling, oh, and so then Lexi shows up to, to talk to Peter at work, and that's when Bob first gets a look at her and Peter's like, I don't want him to see her, I don't want, to, don't want it to trigger anything. So he like, like, kind of rudely gets Lexi out of there, and he's like, "I'm pulling a lot of strings for this guy. Let me let me deal with him." He sends her away, um, and then Peter goes to Michael to ask for another favor, um, and Michael's like, "Well, we're already approving this guy with patient with no insurance," um, and he asks them at the the cauterizing glove company to hire Lexi on again. But this time, Peter will just give them the money to pay her with. He just needs right. her to be occupied and stable. Yeah. Because um, instead of going to rehab, she's going to decorate the the um, the office. Right. Though they're having more issues, we'll get into that shortly. Um, and so then Michael's like, well, okay, quid pro quo. If I'm going to do this favor for you, then... I want you to do a favor for me. I want you to boot Craig from the practice. Uh, excuse me, Coop from the practice. Um, and Peter's like, well, we just hired him and he's fully functioning. He can do surgeries. You can't even operate. Um, and Michael's like, all right then. Well, I get to stay on for two more months as chief of staff before I give that position back to you. And Peter's like, is everything blackmail to you? Which is like, you know, is the sun hot? But... Um, <laughs> Um, then the, the same cops come to Peter's to question him more. They come to his house and Lexi is there while Peter is not. And Lexi puts two and two together then that what happened is this person was hit by a car and she was the one who hit it. <laughs> right. <laughs> wow. I mean, she's Peter's regular Sherlock Holmes. I, I mean, really? <laughs> And of course, she starts freaking out. Yes, badly. So um, she comes to visit Bob in the hospital next, right? Um, yeah, I think she does. And she's trying to get a little more information about how much he remembers. 
Yeah. And um, suddenly Bob also remembers that the car was red. So then Lexi sees Pierre and confronts him. And he's like, yeah, Bob was, quote unquote, that thud that we heard the other night <laughs> when you were driving. Bob was a thud. <laughs> so Peter's like, what can I do now? Uh, he has her car painted silver. Yes. And right as he shows up with the newly painted car, the cops come back. Um, and they say that, like, they're closing in on a lead. They're figuring it out. So right after Peter is able to get rid of them, Lexi's freaking out again. She says she's got to confess. He tries to convince her not to do it. Um, she's like, I can't do it without pills. I need pills. So... I don't think I've left anything out, but I think before we can catch back up to to where we, like, the, the next bit with them, we kind of have to dive into the Michael Jennifer Craig yes. stuff. Yes, we do. So, okay. The storyline is getting tired, but it was very nice to see Jennifer and Michael together again. Yes, and I also will have to take back something that I said last week, but I'll wait until we've dropped a whole bunch more of plot on you guys first okay cool so where are we oh so with the whole thing with michael megan jennifer and craig where does that start i don't even remember well i guess it really starts with coop because coop well craig comes to confront coop about the lawsuit and and that's when coop is like look i have proof this thing was my idea michael stole it and then he like shows him sketches that he did dating back to 95 we're currently in late 97 and then craig's like well how don't i know you didn't just doctor those up now and coop shows him that he's got these notarized plans back from 1995 like it's pretty official it's pretty real not looking Uh, good for michael now no this is what we call hard evidence um but he tells craig to keep quiet not to tell jennifer because that's the same thing as telling Michael, um, and that it'll be it'll be good for Craig to like keep his mouth shut. Um, and we have a scene where Craig is in bed again with Jennifer, because um, I guess they've got this. They're lying to themselves that they can just have like a friends with benefits relationship that it's just about sex when they want it and they don't owe each other anything, which works for Craig, but Jennifer doesn't really want that. Um, but Jennifer is like distracted here because she's thinking of the next day's deposition, and she really trusts Michael. And Coop's like, okay, excuse me, Craig is like, okay, he knows more than she does, but but he won't, he won't say anything. Yeah. Um, at the same time, Coop has also come knocking on Megan's door to give her back the CDs that he borrowed to play for her when she was in the coma, and she's like, you know, I never really thanked you for, you know, saving my life, so why don't I make you dinner as a thank you? And at first he's like, I can't, uh, I'm busy. And then he's like, you know what? Yes, I'll do it. He's going to take her up on it. Yeah, I didn't understand where that change of heart came. I don't know why you even needed that. Like, all we needed was him to say yes. Yeah, I, I didn't, I mean, because it didn't really go anywhere. It was one no. of those things where he was like, you know, I thought, no, I'm just really busy. And then he, and then all of a sudden it was like, you know what? I'm not so busy anymore. Yeah, it's not like he said no, and then he saw Michael. And then he's like, right. you know what, this will piss Michael off, so I say yes. Yeah, right. He, he right. was just like, and, and he's already expressed interest in Megan to begin with, so why wouldn't you just initially be receptive? Yeah, um, it just didn't make any sense to me. It really, I mean, you know, I don't under, like, I'm like, what was the point of that? And once again, it felt like, 
I don't know, were the writers trying to like throw us a curveball and make us a little unsteady on our feet to figure out that I don't we know. think we know what's happening, but we really don't know. Did what's they need happening? to lengthen a scene by twelve seconds? I like I honestly well, don't knows? know what the reason yeah, could be. Who knows? And they may have skipped over this. The order might have been it may have gotten this out of order, but Michael has also come groveling to Megan. Yes. Now staying again <laughs> with Jennifer, um, with roses, and she like won't even open the door. She makes him talk through the window and she still basically sends him packing. He tosses the roses over the, the balcony. Um, so then we get to the proceeding with, with Coop testifying against Michael. Am I right? I think, I think it's more of like a deposition. That is, yeah, that's the word I yeah. should have said. Yeah. 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 And, um, and, uh, and so they, they're, uh, Craig is giving his testimony. And for some reason, Jennifer can just like sashay on in. I guess no security in these law offices either. Just LA sort of, is for want of security I, all over. She can just sort of like sashay in halfway through and drop into a chair and be like, don't mind me, I'm just here to listen. You know what? Uh, so now Craig actually has to say in front of her that he saw these notarized plans for the glove dated 1995 or whatever, and that he believes that Michael stole Coop's invention. And he has to say it in front of Jennifer, who is completely blindsided by this. Yeah, yeah. And, and she's pissed and, and continues to stand up for and defend Michael. Yes. Um, and then Michael's having, like, some photo shoot in the hospital. Uh, and Jennifer storms in to confront him. And she warns him that, like, he better be telling her the truth this time. And, of course, he lies and says he's telling the truth. <laughs> So, and then, yeah, who who decides that they've got to? I think it was um, it was Jennifer who concocted. It is me. Jennifer's idea, and okay, so this is where we start to have our our storylines all converge. And so last week I was like, these are dumb storylines, and partly because they we don't there's no real gain from any of them. Well, now they're because they intersect. There is some gain from them. It's just kind of stupid, but um. So at some point, Jennifer has, or Megan has let Jennifer know that she's having Coop over for that dinner in, in her apartment. Um, and so she decides with Michael, they will bug Megan's room, or they'll bug the apartment where they're having dinner, um, and they can spy on Coop. They'll do a sting. They will place a hidden camera in, like, a nanny cam. Um, what I don't understand, and maybe you can answer this in a second, is where Michael and Jennifer end up, whose apartment they're in when they do the watching in this stick. But, so then we have another oh, scene. I have no idea. That's a good question. And it's, so we'll get there. But we have another one of those moments where it's like, I don't know why they did this at all, just like we had with, with Coop, with his change of mind. So Megan tells Jennifer, you know what? She's going to make dinner for Coop at his apartment in the complex instead of doing it and forcing Jennifer to leave or being in her way, which would foil Jennifer's plans to do the whole nanny cam thing. So Jennifer goes, no, you should definitely stay here. I was going to go to a movie I wanted to see anyway. Do it now, because do it here, because if you go to Coop's, Michael could potentially use that against you as you guys are separating. Which is a good idea, but it's like, okay, that's fancy footwork. That's good, quick thinking on, on Jennifer's part. But it doesn't fundamentally change anything. Like, 
Megan right, was going to have dinner in the, uh, her apartment. Then she decides, no, I'll do it in Coops. Then Jennifer says, no, do it here. And Megan agrees. Like, okay, that back and forth doesn't do anything. It doesn't cause any confusion or make someone else miss out on an opportunity they had planned on. It's just you're being talked in and out of something. I don't, I don't really see the point. It's not economical. It's not dramatically building to anything. Right. Um, so then we are watching them have the dinner. Again, there's a lot of this stuff because this is a lot of the episode. The other characters that we'll finish up with really don't have a lot going on during this, during this episode. Um, so Megan apparently makes duck pate. She says she's a bad cook, but like the duck pate, which looks store-bought, does look good. Um, and she says she made linguine with pesto, which is like one of my favorite things. I got really hungry watching. Um, <laughs> I actually had a craving for garlic bread watching the rest of this episode. Um, <laughs> I know, I can't watch The Godfather without a giant oh God. Italian whenever, priest in front of me. <laughs> whenever someone mentions The Godfather, and there was a Godfather marathon on yesterday, which was the fourth. Um, well, I guess it was the fourth weekend. Um, all I want is like spaghetti and marinara sauce and bolognese and red wine. Like, you just say the name, say the title of the trilogy, and like, I'm there. <laughs> and we're like, and you're just like, back up the pasta truck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'll go right through it. So Coop is at Megan's, uh, and then Craig comes in because he's looking for Jennifer. And Jennifer and Michael are watching this. Again, they're in that other apartment on the second floor that at one point belonged to Billy and Billy and Brooke. But I don't know who's living there now. And I don't know how there's like, electricity for like them to even hook up a TV and watch this. Jennifer maybe should come up with a different line of work because she seems... Oh, they well, close. they always... They, uh, no, the electric company will always leave the electric on and so it just doesn't get billed to anybody until somebody moves in and claims it. So like you can't have like a surge of electricity. Like they'll ho always be like a, sort of like a low hum. But if the electric company sees a surge of electricity, then they'll come and... Okay, and, but whose TV is it? I'm just kind of assumed that somebody dragged in an old set from somewhere. I guess. I wasn't thinking that hard about it. Not worth it. But anyway, so yeah. there they are, watching all this on TV. So, you know, Jennifer's like, oh, Craig came looking for me. And then he leaves. And then Coop actually starts making a move for, uh, for Megan. And then Jennifer's like, okay, I have to do something. So she leaves their apartment, even though her lie was that she was at a movie. She comes back in and she's like, I have to warn them about Michael, which will prompt Megan to like, uh, like thwart his advances um, and ask him a question that they need. So she kind of cock blocks them. And then they watch as Megan asks Coop about the drawings. And Coop admits that the sketches are in his office. And that's right. what they need to find. So Jennifer decides she will steal the key to Craig's, to Coop's office from Megan's keychain in the apartment the next day and break in that night. Um, so as a decoy, Michael asks Coop to dinner at Kyle's, of course, um, to distract him. And like an idiot, Coop says yes. But the dinner doesn't go very well and Coop's about to walk out when Megan walks in and she was going to come for takeout, right? 
Um, yeah, she's gonna get takeout. And they end up deciding to sit and have dinner together right there. So okay, that's all happening at the same time as Lexi is is buffling under all of the pressure of this hit and run that Peter is moving heaven and earth to cover. Um, she wants the drugs. Yeah, she's like, I need it. I can't do it. I need a pill. And Peter relents. He goes, okay. Yeah, because she's saying if she doesn't get a pill, she's going to have to go to the police and confess. Yeah. Basically, this is the, the either-or situation. Weird. And, and you know, Peter is, of course, kind of freaking out because he's been Now he's implicated her. himself. Yeah, 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 he is implicated. You know, um, he's trying to protect her and trying to cover for her. And she just wants to go to the police. And, you know, she doesn't want that guilt weighing on her conscience, yada, yada. So instead of feeling guilty, she just wants a pill. Right. And instead of fighting, Peter... Enables. But this pill is not anywhere in the house because she has really dumped everything. They have to go all the way back to the Burns Mancini Cooper or whatever it is practice. And they have to go into Coop's office and find the leftover stash of pills that Coop has hidden in his drawer. So while Jennifer has broken into um the uh, Coop's office to get the sketches and she picks up something. Um, that's when Peter and Lexi come in. So Jennifer is somehow able to hide in like the corner of the office while Peter and Lexi so caught up in their own mischief. Um, Jennifer is able to overhear Lexi blab everything out loud for her. <laughs> Yeah, it was pretty great. <laughs> it was such an info dump. <laughs> I mean, like, every possible thing that could implicate her. Um, so Jennifer hears it, which is fortuitous for her, because when she brings uh, the plans, the sketches that Coop had back to Michael, Michael's like, these are just photocopies, these are no good. But now Jennifer is armed with information. But right. before that, they watch on the TV again in whoever's apartment as Megan takes Coop home. Michael, like, zooms in on it as they continue to watch through, through the nanny cam. So this isn't going to be great, probably, for a couple different people. So I take back what I said, because now that Jennifer has her hands in, like, all of these different buckets, she, even more than before, was, is the new Sid, right? Who, like, thrived on blackmail and always had stuff on other people that she tried to use to her advantage. Jennifer is basically now in that same exact situation. Right, right, right. Um, okay, I feel, I think that's finally everything. Yes, for those, we're, for those we're done with those two. So now it's just like the other storylines were kind of... They were pretty quick of, and very yeah, lean. Yeah, 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 they were. Um, let's get Billy and Samantha. Yeah, I was, I'm so I was sick gonna. of these three. I mean, this is like... I don't know what they could have done to make me love a story with these people, but they should make it easy to hate. So Sam calls Billy as he's about to leave work for the night. This trip she's on to, in Seattle has been extended another day. Um, so he's like, all right. Um, and Connie, the maid of honor slash roommate slash coworker is also there. Like, I don't really know why you would need someone to fill in for Sam for this brief interim, but whatever. Amanda likes spending money. Uh, yeah, sure. So then um, 
Sam is like, please be nice to Connie. And Connie is, of course, right there walking into Billy's office. Um, and she's like, why don't we have dinner together? And he makes an excuse that he has to stay late to get out of dinner. Um, he's like, I'm going to go get some coffee, though, because I'm going to be late, working late. And while he leaves, she, like, stares at the photo of Sam that he has on his uh, office desk. Um, and then Sam is back, finally. And it turns out this whole pitch, whatever she was doing for the client, glazed out. Um loved her and Amanda is so happy that she wants to take them out to lunch and Sam's like I don't know I just feel bad now that I'm back from my seven minutes out of the office Connie's out of work again and Amanda's like well we could make Connie Billy's assistant until a graphic design opening like appears so that's basically where we are Connie is staying at Amanda Woodward Advertising she's now going to be the assistant to Billy who hates her now, I know Billy was a jerk at the wedding to, to Sam, but if you look at it from Billy's POV, Connie is this person he's never heard of and never met who is now staying with them, and she's the same person who told Sam like three different times in front of him, you know, Sam, it's not too late. You don't have to marry Billy. You can hold <laughs> up any time. So I, I, I get it. <laughs> I'm at least I'm at least Team Billy, like, for that much. Um, and there is one other scene um, when Sam comes back to the apartment. Um, she gets in late, and I think Connie has made herself scarce and left a bottle of champagne out for them. And like Sam comes to Billy and and like wakes Billy up. And like they like embrace and because she's returned, and they um they like start going at it, and the camera pans up, and then you see like right outside, like Connie has made herself. She said she's gone to a motel for the night to give them their privacy, but there she is right outside Billy's window, like looking at them through the blinds as they have sex, and that's when the camera like fades to commercial. Which actually like that's a cutaway you do at the end of an episode. That's not really just like an end of the scene type of thing. But yeah, like Connie is like the kind of psycho we seem to have had already many times on the show. There's there's nothing being invented, I think, with this I character. Like, and you know what? I like the original angle that they were sort of like they started with, like that sort of love triangle triangle, but Connie's gay and she's like been like at least that ha that has I don't know, that has some bite to it. Like Connie's gay and she's always been in love with Sam and now that Sam is getting married, she's like you know she's heartbroken and angry and uh, and upset and why doesn't Sam love her like that would have been great this yeah. is just weird yeah and it's well and it's still very undefined right yeah. like, like does Connie is she doing this because she hates Sam and wants to hurt her or because she loves Sam and wants to have her we don't know we don't we don't we just know she's there to bring chaos into right. these boring ass people's lives right and that she can draw. And that's basically, that's basically it. Right. Oh, can we just talk about for a second how bougie Sam became? Oh, sure. I yeah. mean, just uh, like, like seriously, because what, just a couple of episodes ago, she was working for Sid at the, at the store, you know, at the clothing store. And she yeah, and now artist. she's, now she's like the best corporate employee of all time. I know. Now she is like practically art director of Amanda Woodward advertising. Yeah. What, let's talk about how she has zero experience with that. 
And uh, <laughs> so she suddenly... Yeah, I mean, all she's ever really done is, like, sell sweaters and, you know, like, check out supermarket items. Yeah, and, yeah, and now all she of has sudden, this, like, she job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, she went from supermarket checkout girl to, like, Like, you know, a whole client week with that, yeah. The whole yeah, pitch, I mean, yeah. I mean, at least Allison started out as the receptionist. Exactly. Yeah, oh, well. She had to prove herself, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Sam could just flounce in and get a job. Well, like, husband like wife, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Okay, let's wrap this puppy up. Okay, uh, so here we finally are with Amanda, who, and I had to check myself here. She wakes up in bed with Kyle, and I was like, oh, I guess they got back together? I must have forgotten where we are I in the middle of this storyline. I thought I skipped an episode. <laughs> I was so, like, oh, I must be on the wrong episode. So, good job, writers. You fooled us. Um, it turns out there's a knock at the door, and then Amanda wakes and turns out it was all a dream. She gets back together with It was all her. a dream, but they didn't use that fuzzy dream. But it looked real. It did, yeah, yeah, it looked like it was actually a thing that was happening, but it wasn't. Um, and then, of course, this dream that Amanda has woken up from turns out to be a nightmare because it's Taylor knocking on her door again. Um, she's giving the number of their attorney... Because, so that uh, Amanda can like officially have them buy her shares of the upstairs out. Um, this and, you is know. what I, I, okay, so I don't quite understand this. So Amanda is like, I'm just giving you your rest, the, the jazz club, because I don't want to deal you anymore and I'm losing my $200,000. I don't even care, which like what? But also, okay, she did that, right? But like, why does Taylor keep saying, I bought her half, I'm going to buy her half, I'm buying her out, I've paid for her. Like, because there has been no money exchanged. Right, because the writers just woke up. So did did Amanda give that half to Kyle, who then sold it to Taylor for cash? Like, I don't really get what what what's going on. I mean, so it doesn't I guess ultimately matter. It doesn't really like, matter, but I, I guess what happened is Taylor told Amanda last week, you know, you should really just give up your stake in the upstairs and then like ceremoniously amanda signed it over to kyle on that piece of junk mail as a kiss off at the end of last week but to be more realistic about it taylor is like no you're gonna have your lawyer call my lawyer and you're gonna actually sell it over to me and i'm gonna buy it and i'm gonna have my hands all over kyle literally literally and figuratively as much as i can that's kind of what they're though, doing. Even, I could have sworn even in this episode, Amanda was like, I don't want your money. I just want to be rid of it. She might have. I don't remember that. But I don't, I, okay. But it, okay. So I'm just going to pretend that Amanda actually got money for it because it's really, really bothering me that she did not. Yeah. At the very least, with all this garbage she has to deal with. Because it's also a stupid business move and Amanda would not make a stupid business move. No. And Amanda is not like that flush that she could really just wave goodbye to all this stuff. Right. Right. And, and I just, and I just don't like, she is pretty shrewd when it comes to financial stuff. And I don't think that she would have just let this go. If anything, she would have said, I made this business a success. So you have to pay me double. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She would have come out like victorious at the end been like, okay, you think you've got the upper hand fooled you. Yeah. Right, like she would have, like she could have demanded a lot more money, and I anticipate, and I expect that she would have, because that's the Amanda we know and love. We don't have, we have a shell of the Amanda we once knew. I know. 
And what's worse is that, like, you know, the horse that keeps kicking her down is Taylor. It's fucking Taylor. Um, and Taylor does try rubbing her and Kyle being together all the time in Amanda's face, and Amanda doesn't really take the bait. No, she really doesn't. Um, so then there's a scene at the upstairs, and at this point, Billy and Connie are also there, um, and Craig is there and pulls up a chair with them, though he's keeping an eye on Jennifer, um... They're doing a decent job of having our people in their own worlds kind of overlap. Give them credit for that. Taylor tells to Kyle, you know, we are free of Amanda, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then Amanda, we see her at home. She's like reading, can't concentrate. She goes to the window and sees Kyle. And he turns around and has a moment. And like his defenses are down. They're, like, making eyes at each other, and it doesn't look like he's looking at her with hate for the first time in, like, three weeks. Um, but that's the exact moment when Sam comes back to the complex, and she, she kind of ruins the moment. You know, like, she sees Kyle, she talks to Kyle, she looks up at Amanda, and, like, by the time she goes back to her apartment, and that's when she reunites with Billy, like, the damage is done, and Kyle goes back on to, to his own apartment, and that's that. And then I think the only thing we're left with is the very end, and it's a, it like ends on a real weak note. Kyle is like passed out at the bar. I mean, someone should really take him to the Twin Oaks rehab that yeah. Allison went to because he's like falling asleep and being more violent than Allison ever was in, in that storyline. Um, Taylor brings him a plate of food because he's like eating and, excuse me, drinking and not eating all the time. Um, but it's, you know, he's like, ah, you picked out all my favorite foods. It's like shrimp and this sauce and uh, an 88 Merlot or whatever. Like, it's not just you being nice. You're, you're making another play for me. And he just keeps pushing her away. Um, and I think he calls her a whore again. Um, and then he leaves. And then the episode ends on Taylor, who has not been our focus of anything for weeks now. Um, and she's like, almost like a character in a Disney musical. She's like, I'm going to make him love me someday, somehow. And it's like, you don't get our sympathy. I was kind of waiting for her to break into like it's a exactly, big like, musical it, number. It, it, it you know? would be, right? That's exactly <laughs> what it is. It was terrible. That was terrible. I can't wait for this to be done. I know. But by this, do you mean the storyline, the season, the series? I'm not sure. Because I know. It's, all it's kind of. It's all, it's all kind of decline. like a soup at this point, yeah, right? It's yeah, all like a soup. Yeah. Like, we're, like, I really do feel like I'm, I'm, I feel like we're doing this because, well, we committed to doing this. But they're also, okay, like, I'm sort of like, I could stop tomorrow and be okay. Yeah. I, I, my memory tells me that the stories and the players may change a couple more times, but. But, like, there's no real light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm not saying that to turn any of you listening off, because I'm having a lot of fun dissecting it week by week with you. But um, but I don't want to give false hope. We, I just don't think we will ever reclaim that territory that we had for all of those previous years. I mean, seasons one through three were glorious. Well, seasons, like, two, three, and beginning of four. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then there were some moments in five. Yeah, well, we liked five. I mean, yeah. five wasn't four. But two and three yeah. were amazing. I mean, two and two, three yeah. were like, 
All star. Yeah. I even liked great. season one. I was even happy with season one. You know, I mean, it was it was good. It wasn't it wasn't it wasn't season two. Yeah, and actually, that's fair because like season one didn't start bad and it didn't go from bad to awesome overnight. It definitely was gradual and it, there were rewards along the way. That's very yeah. that's that's true. Yeah, um, it was I mean, certainly I, easy to watch and not yes. insulting. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And um and and there and there were you know there were intrigued you I was intrigued by will will the, the some of the will they's or and or won't they's with like you know Allison and 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 Billy and there was some shenanigans with Jake going on. Yeah. There too. And there was you know the world building was was good. Right, right, and you were sort of like learning about Michael and Jane, and like there was just it was, it was good, and um, and it was and it was definitely world building, and and then season two just sort of like took off like a like a rocket, and yeah, and they then, knew what they were gonna be, yeah. and they committed to it whole whole hog. Yeah, and then I guess maybe they I just feel like everything just kind of fell apart in season four, and they just decided that it wasn't worth worth salvaging. I feel like with season five, they took it into a safer direction. They were like, we're not going to go Looney Tunes anymore. We're just going to be a nighttime drama. And then once they had that big exodus at the end of season five, they're like, and now we're going to make season six a daytime drama. Yeah, because again, like a, a, even even straight down to the lighting and the camera, it feels like daytime TV. It, it does. It really does. Um, I can tell you what I would like to see. What I would like them based on everything we have going on our characters and our canvas are what they are what what i would like to see more of to help them is more amanda with more backbone and since kyle doesn't seem to be working out for her give her a new man um and i and more of megan and Coop, who i think could actually be a nice dramatically interesting couple I agree with that. I would like to see more of Megan and Coop for sure. And do something more with Jennifer because, like, the Jennifer Michael stuff is fun, but I feel like there's still uh, unmined potential beyond that. Yeah, I feel like Jennifer is wasted with this whole thing with Craig. Yes, I agree. I, I just feel like that's completely wasted, and we need to get her somebody fun to run with. I agree. Yeah. You know, because someone right who brings now, about, like a different fun. side of her. Yeah. On top yeah. Of what we've already seen. You know, and, and I'm sorry, but every time that actor, what David Charvet, every time he's he bring he like drags his scenes down, he has no energy. He has not. He has zero energy, and so you know, Alyssa Milano is up there, sort of like. You yeah, know, she's pulling everything. Yeah, yeah. and she's yeah. really, and you can you can kind of see her trying hard when yeah. she's in those scenes with him because he's giving her absolutely nothing because well, he is just like a he's like a bump. Well, you know, like many have said it before, I think, but I just this this is kind of embarrassing, but I recently read Andrew McCarthy's memoir, a very thin memoir, but nonetheless a published book. Um, and he's done a lot of directing, particularly television directing, in like the last 15 to 20 years. And he said something that he learned is when you have two people in a scene giving different kinds of energy, the one who's always working harder and giving more is the one who looks like a fool. Mm. The, one, the one that will call your attention and distract you. The one who's doing less and giving less is the one that you're going to be okay with in the scene. I don't think that applies here. 
Well, I mean, I think because we're looking at it with like a slightly more analytic thing. I don't know. It's hard because he's. Well, the thing with David Charvet really is, it's not just that the energy is though; it's that he's bad. Yeah. Yeah. He's bad in the energy, like yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. I just I, I retract. Anyway, um, okay. I think those we're are done. those are my life lessons. We've done week. it. I'm, I was, you know, I've I've been very optimistic, even though some of these episodes have not been up to snuff. I will say this episode, for some reason, started chipping away at my optimism. Yeah, well, I hear that. I think for me that really started last week, not this week, but same same sentiment. And I really want this whole glove storyline to be done. I don't even, yeah, I mean, I don't even mind the storyline itself, because it gives us Megan and Mike, uh, not Megan, Jennifer and Michael at least. But I just want Craig to go away. And I'm stuck with him now for, for the... Right? He doesn't go away, does he? Well, eventually he does. He's not on the show till the end. Oh, okay. That's good news. Phew. That's something to look forward to. Yeah. I mean, I think, to your point, the show never figured out how to use them. And they never... And they were limited in what they could do. But, um, but I, I think they really, like... After the quick pairing with Sid before she died, I really think they like never knew what to do with him, where to put him, who to pair him. Yeah, I guess yeah. Even before, really, when he came onto the show, he was sort of supposed to be Amanda's foil. Right, he was bratty and spoiled. Yeah. yeah, he was the bratty, spoiled. You know, he was given the. You know, he was gonna he was gonna steal the ad agency out from under Amanda, and then and then but then he kind of fell in love with her but then he didn't but that yeah like they really did not know what to do with him i mean he is not a good actor but and that's the, i mean well. that's it's the, it's yeah it's <laughs> too prone the writers were bad with craig and the actor was bad as craig so there's right not much to do oh dear well why don't we go to hollywood boulevard why not let's yeah there's not much left for us to do here so you guys uh we wish you well and let us know how you are faring as you're doing your watch along with us and um yeah we'll talk to you again next week when we are back on the blog